As I stated just a few minutes ago, we are in a series entitled Jesus, Real Encounters of the Man. And what this has really been all about in this series is uh, just taking different, basically we've been going through miracles, but we're taking different uh, miracles or different things that Jesus has done and really just looking at it from a, a real practical aspect. And my intention throughout this really wasn't to even have gone in the direction that it's gone, but uh, as we go through most of Jesus' miracles and the, the things that Jesus has done, basically he takes a need that somebody has and then he fulfills that need. And uh, my intention wasn't to really go into a direction of us looking at the needs that we have or maybe the tough things that we go through, and, but it's kind, of, it's kind of went that direction. But um, I pray that it's been an encouragement to you. Last week we looked at... Uh, well, we've looked at uh, Jesus and uh, drink or providing the, the turning the water into wine, and then last week we looked at Jesus as as the nobleman came and, and healing of the son that was back at home, and we'll talk real real briefly about that here in just a moment. But this morning we're going to look at John chapter number six, and we're going to look at the story of the feeding of the five thousand, and this is probably it's a one of the most famous obvious. Uh, passages of scripture as we look throughout scripture, but let me give you a couple things. One is this is the only miracle that is written and spoke of in every one of the gospels outside of Jesus dying and, and resurrecting, but it's the only one. So there's obviously some type of an importance there. But as we look at this passage of scripture this morning, there's so many different things that we can go to and, and I'm going to try to do my best to kind of take it to where we are as a, as a group of people and I'm going to jump right to one verse that is, is really a, a very, very famous verse. But in John chapter 6 and verse number 9, Andrew, is, well, Andrew was, was here at this point and Andrew went and found a, a boy that had five loaves and two fishes and he says this, but what are they among so many? What are they among so many? And this morning as we go through and we'll, we'll talk about this passage of Scripture, we, we often look at that passage of Scripture and, and, and in the context of what it is, we're looking at Jesus, the disciples, and anywhere from fifteen to 20,000 people up on a hillside. Jesus is asking the disciples, hey, let's... You know, he will go into deeper, but Jesus has compassion on the people. They don't have food, and, and we get to this point, and, and Andrew says, but hey, we've got this guy. He has five loaves and two fishes, but, but what is that? What is five loaves and two fish among fifteen to 20,000 people? I mean, you're, at best, you can put it in crumbles, and everybody will get a, a, a bite. And I want to make us, or I want to take us to a place, and I want you to think about this. And this is the first, when, that, when I started reading and doing my study, this is the thought that came to my mind when I looked at this passage. I didn't think about the numbers that were out there. The thought that came to my mind when I looked at that, but what are they among so many, was I looked kind of at myself, and I thought of certain things and areas in which I am, and we all have our own insecurities. No matter how confident you are, no matter what you do, no matter whatever those things are, we all have our own insecurities. And I thought of this when I read this passage of Scripture and the thought that came to my mind was, who am I? 
God, who am I? Who am I that you would call me to do what I do? God, who am I when I look at my own personal insecurities and the things, I look at myself and I think, well, I can't do that. God, I was very content doing what I did. God, I'm just a young guy from a small town. God, I'm just this, or God, I'm just that. And I started to think through those things, not in terms of food and large masses of people, but personally, I took it to myself and I thought, man, who in the world are you? Who am I? And I don't know if that rings true for any of you as we go through and we'll talk this morning, but but I don't believe in my heart and in my studying and in all these things. I just don't believe, for me personally, this wasn't something that I thought, well, Jesus can't do this. It's a numbers issue. To me, it became a heart issue. That we would ask the question of, God, what am I? God, how are you going to use me? God, I'm just a nobody. God, look at the past that I have had. God, I don't have the personality. God, I don't have the strengths or talents within me to do this. God, wait just a minute. Have you ever done that? Hold on. Time out, Lord. (laughs) Do you have any idea who you're talking to? (laughs) Do you have any idea that you just asked that question of me, just a minute peon type of a, like, really? Has anybody else ever been there? It could be, you may look at me and go, well, you're a pastor. No, it could be you serving in the nursery, thinking to yourself, well, I can't do that. It could be you going, well, they asked me to usher, and I'm not an usher. I can't stand in front of anybody. I can't do this, or I can't do that. It may be you sitting here this morning and saying, well, I've, real, I've been to church a few times and people have said stuff about this Jesus guy and I know of Jesus, but you don't know who I am and I have too much of a past. Who am I that he would forgive me? And so as I looked at this passage of scripture and as I was studying and as I was going through this whole thought of Jesus feeding of the 5,000 people, think of this. The disciples. I don't know what the conversations have been had that aren't in Scripture. But I could imagine at some point in time, one of them said, Jesus? Um, maybe it was Peter. I'm just a fisherman. Hey, this is... I don't do this. I am very content out on the lake doing what I do. I am okay counting money and being an accountant. I'm okay doing this. Jesus, are you sure you have your stuff together? I'm not a rabbi. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a this. I really don't have many talents. Why in the world, Jesus, would you call me to be one of your disciples? Maybe they never stated that publicly. But I, they're human. The disciples were humans just like you and me. And I could imagine at one, or one, or t- one time or more that the t- disciples, at least in their head, thought, God, do you have a clue what you're doing? 
Maybe it was after Peter cut the dude's ear off and he ran away thinking, God, okay, here I am, no more. Man, look what I just did. I ruined it. I blew it. Maybe it was after they were praying in the garden and they fell asleep the third time. They got up and they're like, man, I blew it. All he asked me to do was pray with him and I'm sleeping. God, I don't think you understand. I don't don't think you get it. And so as we go this morning and as we look at this account and we look at, we're really going to take, I'm going to do my best to take all four gospel accounts and pull them together. And so I would encourage you even after, after this morning, maybe you would go back and kind of do your own little study and reading of it. But in all four of the Gospels, there's a, a few things that are a little bit different in each one of them. But before we get too much into to the, the topic or, or, or to the, the content this morning in the passage of Scripture, I want to I kind of go back and set this before what was taking place when Jesus was standing there and feeding of the 5,000. I want you to go with me maybe in your mind as to the mentality, even of Jesus at this time, let alone all the disciples. And I'm not going to go to all of the scripture, but these are some things that took place just prior to the feeding of the 5,000. John the Baptist was just recently beheaded. By recently, I mean that may have been one of the last things that the disciples and Jesus had came encountered before the feeding of the 5,000. What their mindset must have been. When I thought of that, when I actually read through some of those things, it took me back to the story or where Jesus looked at the man and said, let the dead bury the dead. Here Jesus is just having left a situation and the disciples having just left a situation. The disciples had just returned from a a teaching journey or a missionary journey that Jesus had sent them on. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 14, it states that Jesus took them away into a remote location And I don't know if Jesus was just going to pray with them. I don't know if Jesus was going to take them and teach them. I don't know exactly the situation. It doesn't go into those details, but maybe it was just a very simple thing of, listen, it's been a tough couple days. It's been a tough week or a tough month or whatever it would be. Hey, we need to go and let's get away up on this mountain and we're going to get away and we're just going to rest. We're going to pray. Jesus was going to take the disciples And do that. Instead, when they get up there, Jesus looks out and he sees a multitude of people that had followed. And in Matthew 14 and verse 14, it says that he had compassion on them. I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Hey, you said we were getting away. You said we were going to rest. And now all of a sudden you're looking down and there's all these people. Can we not just stop the ministry aspect of this for just a minute? Time out. I want a break. 
They've been around Jesus. They had been following him. They had been going. They had been doing the thing. They have seen the miracles. They, they knew what was about to happen, I could imagine. Now, they weren't expecting the feeding of the 5,000, but I can imagine they kind of go, oh, here we go again. Jesus is, is taking us back out into this whole thing after he just said we needed to take a break. Don't you understand? I just lost a friend. And Jesus looks out at them and in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, he says that he looked at them like a sheep or as sheep without a shepherd. He was broken by the people's lost state. I'm sure they were all tired. They had all been busy. I'm sure they didn't have the greatest desire to go amongst the crowd and to, to, to do the things that they were doing. And Jesus kind of called a timeout for them. And Jesus goes down. And over the course of the next few hours, Jesus is healing and Jesus is teaching. And he, he takes and he goes into the multitude of people. And the, to the, it says the 5,000 men, not counting the, the children and women. But he goes in and he begins to, to heal and he begins to teach. Who knows how many hours that those people had followed and and traveled to come to see Jesus. Just like what we talked about last week. The man had traveled hours, 20-something miles to get to Jesus, to get to Jesus and say, Jesus, you've got to come. My son is dying. And here we see the same now much larger, but we see this gathering of people and they all came for Really, a couple reasons. Some of them came because they needed healing. Some of them came because they wanted to be a part of seeing something else that Jesus was going to do. Here it is. Let's watch the show. Some may have been there just wanting to be a part and hear the teaching that Jesus would have given to them. Whatever it would be, Jesus comes and he looks upon them with compassion. He looks upon them as a, as a group of sheep, as sheep without a shepherd. Maybe the disciples were thinking, when Jesus says, man, these, what are we going to eat? Maybe the disciples, now as I'm reading, I'm not looking at a dire situation. Last week, there was a man about to die because there was a boy that was about to die as he was sick. And maybe this was the case, but it's been a day. It's been a day. It doesn't go into the story of all the people that were about to attack, all the people that were going to come together and and go and attack these 12 because they, they took them out of their day's worth of food or they did whatever. We don't see that. We see Jesus looking at about, again, fifteen to 20,000 people, and he looks at them with an opportunity. Again, sheep without a shepherd, needing something. And he takes the opportunity because they had no food, and he takes the opportunity. And if we, we're not going to go into it, but if we continue in John chapter 6, you look at Jesus later teaches them. He takes the opportunity to teach and say, I am the bread of life. And he takes an opportunity to, yeah, he provides food for a gathering of people. But he takes an opportunity to, to show that he is the Messiah. 
Because just after the feeding of the 5,000, they wanted to take him. They wanted to capture him and say, this is our king. Because the Jews, the people at the time, were searching for their Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. And one of the things that was within their their education, which was in who they were and what the Messiah was going to be, was going to be another man, just like Moses, who brought manna to them. And Jesus was about to provide manna for them. So this morning, we kind of get a little bit of an idea maybe of where they were and what's going on. But as we go to John chapter number 6, I want to ask this question today. And in each one of my points, I'm going to attempt to answer this question. What will you do when you're in a tough spot? What will you do when you're in a tough spot? With that thought, what are they among so many? God, who am I? Because we've all been put in tough spots. The disciples were put in a tough spot. How are we going to feed them? What are we going to do? How are, and, and we'll go through that. But what do we do when we're in a tough spot? Where do we turn when we're in a tough spot? John chapter number 6, we'll start in verse number 1. And it says this, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes he, and saw a great, multi, or a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. He asks Philip the question just to kind of give him a test. It says he already knew what he was about to do. Don't you love that? When someone's like, hey, let me ask you a question. When they already know the answer, they already know what's about to happen, they just kind of give you that, and you're like, ugh. But Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, a number of about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Father God, we ask you this morning that you would meet with us. Thank you for this passage of Scripture, Lord, and the the miracle and the sign that we are able to read and see and learn about. Lord, I pray that we would glean from you this morning, that we would grow closer to you because of this story this morning. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. So we just read the story, and again, I'm going to go into a little bit of the detail here, but I'm going to ask that question, what will you do when you're in a tough spot? And I'm going to give the first point this morning is real simple. All the points, I'll just be real honest, I'm probably not going to take something out of this that you've never seen before. 
But I want to make this this morning as practical as we can make it. And when I look at myself and I look at tough situations, these are some of the things that I personally oftentimes do. The very first point is this, leave it. You go, oh, what does that have to do with anything? If we go to the passage of Scripture, if we look at this story, John, in the passage of John, this is the only one of the four that does not state the disciples saying, tell them to leave and go find their own. So if we were to go to really any of those, any of the different ones, and we were to go, I'll just go to Matthew. If we go to Matthew chapter 14, we'll look at Matthew chapter 14 just briefly, but Matthew 14 states, I wasn't planning on doing this, so i got to find it. Matthew 14, 13. And it states, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed the sick in verse 14 and 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals or get themselves food. The disciples come to Jesus. Jesus, this has been a long day. People are hungry. People are tired. Why don't you let them go? Send them away. Let them go eat. It's getting dark. They can't travel. It's going to be dark. They don't have a place to stay. Whatever that would be. Jesus, listen, these guys need to go so that they can get food. When... Or what, you, what will you do when you're in a tough spot? Now maybe this is just the disciples because they had been at it for so long and they were tired and they were to the place and they're like, Jesus, I just want to go back up into the mountain. I know we have food in the, the, wherever we were staying and we've got the stuff up there. I'm tired. I want to go lay my head down. I want to leave. I want to leave. And you know, the easiest thing to do sometimes when tough, when things are tough and when we don't understand and we don't get it, the, the easiest thing to do is to just walk away. It's walk away. Because if it's really tough, if I'm in a tough spot over here and I don't get it and I don't understand it, if I walk away and I come over here, guess what? It just goes away, doesn't it? No, we know it doesn't, but we often think that. The disciples, now again, it doesn't say this, but the disciples left. They, or they didn't leave, but they were saying, Jesus, just send them away. Let them go and fend for themselves. We don't have it. We can't do anything about it. They're hungry. They need food, so send them off. When times are tough and when we don't understand things so many times in our lives, we just say, you know what, let's just forget about it. Let's just kind of cover it up. Let's throw it under the rug, so to speak. And as we continue to move on, it'll just kind of go away. And as time moves on, we'll forget about it. How many of us have done that with our past? How many have done that with hurt? This person hurt us, so instead of dealing with it in the right manner, we just say, you know what, I don't want to talk to that person. We don't want to deal with that situation. We just say, you know what, I'm going to walk away and I'm not even going to think about it anymore. And that person is now in my past and I don't have to deal with the situation. We leave it. 
when you're in a tough spot, will you just leave it? You're like, oh, that's a brilliant question. Real simple this morning. But how often we get in a spot where we're uncomfortable and we say, you know what? It's a whole lot easier not to deal with it and I'm going to walk away. The disciples said, well, hey, send them on their own. They can fend for themselves. They can go buy their own victuals or their own food. Let them handle it. So the first point this morning is simple, leave it. The second point this morning is this. You're like, whoa, you're on point number two? Yep. The second point is this. Raise it. What? What did they say? The question was posed. The, the, the question was asked to them from Jesus. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And then Jesus says, Whence shall we buy that these may eat? And if we go to... To John chapter 6, the passage of Scripture in verse number 5, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he he saith unto Philip, Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip, again, Jesus was testing him in verse 7. Philip says, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Philip looks at Jesus and he goes... If we were to have 200 penny worth, that's, that's just a little bit shy of a year's worth of wages for these people. If we were to do 200 penny worth, we're just going to barely give them enough to just kind of taste something. But when times get tough, what do we so often do? How's this? I'm, maybe I'm just speaking about myself this morning. When times get tough, you know what I do? I do it on my own. The disciples said, hey, it'll be a little around 200 penny worth. That's not even going to suffice. How are we going to get the money? What are we going to send baskets out? Are we going to do what? And then not only that, we've got the money. Now where do we go? So there are people are just going to sit and wait. Hey, you know what? It's better if we just leave it. Or we'll just raise the money. Hey, guess what we'll do? Raising the money, here's my point with this, is I'll do it by myself. When times get tough, guess what? Men in this room, you can maybe raise your hand with me. You would say this, when times are tough, maybe financially, you know what? Instead of buckling down and doing a couple things different, I'll just go get a second job. I'll work a couple overtime hours. I'll figure it out. Whatever I got to do, I'll raise it, so to speak. I will figure it out. I can handle this, God. I can do it on my own. We just put it all on our shoulders. Do you know how many times I wake up in the morning or I go, to, go home at night and the, the weight is on my shoulders, whether it's of the ministry or whether it's just life in general, or I want something, or I think I need something in my shoulder, I'm just, I'm just burdened with so many different things, and I think to myself, well, I'll just work a couple extra more hours, and I'll get things done. How many of you know 24 hours happens every single day, and you're not going to get 26, and you're not going to get 28? 
How many of you know the greatest thing that we have within our possession is time? And when it's past, we can't do anything about it. Listen to me, dads. Listen to me, mothers. I don't know how many of you, both of you work or whatever it is. Two more hours at work isn't going to get the job done. Two more hours at work means your kids are at home saying, where's dad? Two more hours of work isn't going to fix anything. We've got to take it and say, listen, I can't do it on my own. Here you go. Here's what we do. I'll handle it. Listen, Mindy, don't worry about it. I'll make sure this is taken care of. You just go about and do what you need to do. Guys, we look at our wives sometimes and say, hey, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. I'll raise it, so to speak. I'll I'll do this. Even what was Philip thinking? It's going to be 200 pennyworth. And yet, even that is not going to cover it. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I've done it. Well, I guess we can't, we can't do that this week. Well, I can't pay my tithes this week because if I do that, then I won't have this. Well, I can't do this this week because, man, it's been a really long week, so I guess I better cut out where I'm serving this week. Well, I can't do this this week. Kids, listen, kids, it'll be okay. I won't do this anymore but dad's got to work a little bit more. Hey, I get that there's times that we've got to work more. There's seasons, there's seasons of ministry. Christmas, Easter, other times of ministry that it's just busier and I have to work more hours because there's a lot more things going on. And there's times within your jobs and your professions But when that becomes the norm and I can handle it on my own and I'm not going home to be dad and I'm not going home to be mom or I can't do this or I can't do that and the weight continues to build and build and build and build. Now the me, I can raise it. I can handle it on my own. Affects my home. It affects my relationship. It affects what I do at church. It affects every area of my life. When times get tough, When you're in the tough spot, are you going to do it all on your own? I've stated this time and time again. There's many times I will go and when I pray, I will literally just lift and I'll say, God, I can't any longer carry this. Here you go. And I just kind of figuratively lift that burden and say, God, here you go. But you know what? Sometimes that takes months. Sometimes it's not just a month. Maybe it's two months and three months and four months and the weight is heavier and heavier. And here I am. I'm, I'm kind of walking around and I'm thinking, man, why is my back sore? Why can't I get my job done? Why is home different? Why is this going on? Why are the kids acting crazy? And I just need to stop and say, here you go, God. Here it is. When times get tough, when you're in the tough spot, are you going to do it all on your own? Point number three. Point number three is bring it. This is where I may get excited, so just I'm giving you a warning. Andrew says, there is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. And then he says, but what is that 
among so many. Hey, Jesus asked, and, G- and Philip said 200 penny worth, and then Andrew says, well, we've got a boy out there that has five barley loaves and two fish. Does anybody know what a barley loaf is? A barley loaf is what the poor people ate. A barley loaf was the lowest of the low. It was the worst of the food chain when it came to bread. It was just a fat or a flat kind of nothing. A barley was what they gave to the animals to eat, not what the humans ate. This was a poor kid probably coming from a poor family. And for whatever reason, and John is the only place that it mentions barley loaf. But for whatever reason, this, this Andrew said, hey, this kid has barley loaves. And maybe that's why he said it. Maybe Andrew was sarcastic. Maybe he's something like some of you and I. He's like, Jesus, this dude has barley loaves. Are you kidding me? Jesus says, and it's not in John, but Jesus says, bring it. Now, bring it is my own paraphrase. Jesus did not say bring it. But if we look in Matthew chapter 14, once again, we look in Jesus, bring them hither to me. Hey, we have five loaves and two fish, and he said, bring them hither to me. Here's how my definition of that goes. Bring it. Bring it. Hey, that's all we got. And Andrew goes, but what is that among so many? Jesus says, bring them to me. Bring it. Listen, here's how I paraphrase that to you. This is all I got, Jesus. I'm just a one-talent guy. I can't do anything. I can barely walk without tripping over my own feet. Jesus says, bring it. Hey, I have nothing, God. I can't stand in front of a group of people. Jesus says, bring it. All I have, Jesus, Jesus, Andrew says, Jesus, this is all we got. It's nothing amongst all these people. Jesus looks and says, bring it. Listen, church, all I have is what I have. All you have is what you have. That's it. That's it. And when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die on the cross and say, well, when you get this much money, well, when you get better, well, when you have all of these things in place, then you can come to me. No, Jesus says, bring it. Five loaves and two fishes, that's all I got, but here it is, God. God, I'm scared to death. No one ever told me how to do this. God, I'm so content with where I'm at. Why are you taking me out of this place? God, I don't know how to deal with finances. I don't know what to do. God, look at my past. Jesus looks at him and he says, bring it to me. Five loaves and two fish. Hey, bring it. There's a rapper. Now you're, you're really losing. I'm, I've completely lost you now. I really got your attention. There's a Christian rapper. His name is KJ52. And inside of his song, he kind of describes what the 5-2 is. And it goes back to this passage of scripture. He says this. The boy had five loaves and two fish. And that's all he had. And I want to take what I have and just do the same. And I know that's completely paraphrased. It's not memorized. But... He said, this boy, all he had was five loaves and two fish. 
He said, Jesus, in this song, all I have is five loaves and two fish. There you go. I just want to take all that I have and I want to pour it at the altar. Listen, each and every one of us, you're standing, you're standing here in a room this morning and I wish I could say I'm the most secure man, I'm the most competent man, I'm all of these things. You're staring at a guy this morning, you're listening to a guy this morning who stands up here every single week and who sits in the office every single week who is scared to death. But here's all I can do is say, God, all I have is this and I don't know what in the world you can do with this, but here you go. And maybe you're better than me and you can say, man, I'm confident. I can do anything. I can knock down the walls. I can do all things through Christ. And every day you wake up and you're like, ha Satan, there you go. And you're better than me. I don't know. But listen, all I can do is bring it. All you can do is bring it. When I came to this passage, when I came to this particular area of my study and I read just that, Jesus said, bring them to me. I kind of got excited. Because you know what? I don't have much to offer God. God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. Jesus could snap. Jesus could have snapped that day, and he could have went to the disciples and said, hey, listen, tell all, the disi- or tell all these people to sit down. And then Jesus could have stood up, and he could have said, And there was food in their lap. No. What did he do? What did he do last time? What did he do the week before? He told the men, fill the water pots. Fill them up. And after they filled them, he went to them and he said, hey, now take that and let him try it. And there was wine. Last week, the man was running, Jesus, Jesus, you need to come, you need to come, you need to come, you need to heal my son. Jesus says, your son is healed, go. This week, how are we going to feed him? We're in a tough spot, what are we going to do? And Jesus simply says, bring me the five loaves and the two fish. Bring it to me when you're in a tough spot. Will you just bring it? And my last point this morning, and we're done, is this. Jesus. Real simple, period. Jesus. Because here's what I want. I want to do it myself. I get frustrated, I'm going to leave it. If I think I can handle it, then I'll raise it myself and I'll do it myself. Jesus said, bring it. And when Jesus said, bring it, and the disciples brought him, this little boy, and I don't know how this conversation went. Maybe Andrew went out to this boy and was like, hey, we need some food. You're the only one that I know with food. You're the only one that I see with any food. Maybe he went to him and said, hey, hey, listen. Jesus is asking if he could have your food. If everybody is hungry and I'm the only one with food, You ain't getting my food. Have you lost your mind? But if you come to me and you're like, hey, little guy, (laughs) listen. You see that guy over there? That's Jesus. He's like, yeah, I've been, you know, I know who Jesus is. I've been following him. I'm here. I'm watching. Hey, he wants to talk to you. He wants to eat your food. He's asking for us to find food. 
I don't know how the conversation went with this little boy. We don't know anything about this kid. But they went and they grabbed it. And I don't know if Jesus got down on his knees and was talking to the little guy. I don't know if Jesus even ha- saw the little kid. I don't, we don't know. But Jesus took his food because he said, bring it to me. And here's what they did. Or here's what he did. When Jesus got the food, what do we know he does? He made them sit down. Verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Jesus takes it. He prays over it. He breaks it. And here's what's amazing to me. Again, Jesus could have clapped his hands and each one of those people could have had food right in their laps. But here's what Jesus did. The miracle that Jesus provided was this. He provided food. Who fed those people? Who fed the people? The disciples. The disciples. The disciples got to sit around Jesus and they would, they would take what they could and they would go to each one of those groups of people, anywhere from 50 to 100 is what it says throughout the passages, but they would take it and they would go and they would feed all of those people. Those disciples had nothing to do with the miracle. They simply brought him the food. Jesus is the miracle guy. Jesus is the one, but because Jesus performed the miracle, because Jesus loves you, because Jesus wants you, Jesus allows us to partake in the miracle. He allowed the disciples to go and deliver it, and then come back and deliver more, and come back and deliver more. Listen, I can't save anybody. But you know what's amazing? I get to partake in the miracle of sharing the gospel with people and watching Jesus do the miracle. I can't build Oasis Baptist Church, but what I get to do is I get to work and I get to serve and I get to to do what I can and I get to give it to him and say, okay, God, whatever you're going to do, you've got to do. He performs the miracle. I just get to be a part of it. Listen, when I got to work with teenagers almost every single day, I didn't get to do much, but I got to be and invest in their lives. And now as I grow a little bit older, I get to watch God, have how he moved in those teenagers' lives. And now as they're adults, I get to look back and go, man, I had a part in that kid's miracle. Some of you that work in Sunday school classes, I can look around here and I could look at some of you and I could think, man... The time and the effort and the hours and the preparation and the things that you did, you didn't perform any miracles. You simply served and God allowed you to do that and be a part of a miracle. Some of you that teach in the the school district, some of you that do the different things that you're able to do and you are able to invest in people's lives. Listen, you and I aren't able to perform a miracle. How cool would it be to be like, yeah, boom, now we all have food. 
No. I am allowed to partake in the miracle of God, and I can get just a little piece of that by sharing and doing what I'm able to do. He doesn't need me. Here's what he needs. He needs my five loaves and my two fish. What is that? That's everything I got. That's all he needs. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need my talents. He doesn't need anything from me. He needs me. Period. Guess who has the talents? Him. Guess who has the finances? Him. Guess who has the means to do anything that he desires to do? Him. But here's what's awesome. You and me get to be a part of it. When we say, God, there's my five loaves and two fish. I don't know what you're going to do with it. What is that amongst something so big? God, I'm just, I just want to be a good dad. Here's what I got. I really don't know what to do. These kids are nuts. They drive me crazy. I don't have the patience. I don't have this. God says, just give it to me. I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. I don't, I don't have the job. I don't have the finances. I don't have this. God says, that, that's, that doesn't mean anything. Hey, I want you. Hey, I, I want to do this, but I'm afraid. What am I? Who am I to share the gospel with somebody? I, I'm just new, newly saved myself. I don't understand it all. He says, I just need you. Give me the five loaves and the two fish. Church, this morning, you may go, that was the most simple thing ever. I don't know what you're thinking about it, but sometimes I get frustrated with things that I've done in my past. And I look at it and I go, well, God can't use me anymore. God can't do any of this up here because look what I've done. Sometimes I get frustrated with certain things in my life, whether it's finances or this or whatever those things are that you can look at and you can go, well, God, I, you know what? It's probably just better that I quit. I'm just going to leave this. Ah, here's what he wants. What does he want? He wants you to just bring it. Say, God, I wish I had more talents than I have. But all I got is this. God, I wish I wasn't so insecure. But God, I'm going to trust that this is what you're calling me to do, and I'm going to do it. God, I... I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better mom. God, I get so frustrated. God, I come home so tired. God, I just want to... But I know that's what I want. I want to be that dad. I want to be that mom. He says, just bring it. All I need is you. Church this morning, the question is posed... 
when it's tough, what are you going to do? When you're in a tough spot, here's what it is. It's Jesus, period. Give it to him. 